What's up, guys, and welcome to The Bad Batch Season 3, Episode 1. Now, right off the bat, this was a super dark and gritty episode, had a very dark undertone, and we really got to see more of not just Omega and Crosshair and their dynamic and their character evolution, but also much more of the Empire and just what they're doing. I particularly found this episode interesting for the M-count testing where they would have the blood of the clones put into vials and then they would drop what I assume is Palpatine's blood sample and to see if his midichlorians would bind to the clones' blood themselves. So let's begin episode one's breakdown. And before we do, throw a thumbs up on this video and we can begin. As we start the new season, we pick up what seems to be in a small bit of a time jump. This episode really just establishes how dangerous the planet surrounding Mount Tantis is. It's basically Jurassic Park with tons of massive creatures and monsters, which we see with the stormtroopers crashing nearby and being eaten. Omega is reclaiming her old position as lab assistant, where her blood is being taken to check her M count. This is her midichlorian count, or rather how she can actually adapt to a high M count as they check all of the subjects and the clones here. Now, this M count is in hopes of a suitable match for Palpatine to continue his project Necromancer, which is kind of what Snoke became. Essentially, her M count is significant because it means her body won't reject Palpatine's midichlorians if they're mixed with her. We meet up with Nalase and Omega tells her that her blood needs to be checked, at which point Nalase immediately deletes the records of it and the blood sample. She knows exactly what the Empire is trying to do and probably deletes it because she knows what Omega was created for, most likely a suitable host for Palpatine. She does this because Omega is very special. She carries a very high M count and if the Empire found out they would use her for her blood and cells to further Palpatine's evil plans to live forever, most likely killing her. Nalase enters the highly secured pathway to something we don't know about yet, which, as we saw in the third episode, leads to the same type of layout as Exegol with the pods of Snoke being created. Now, in the third episode here, which we're going to get into in major detail, I don't know if Snoke is necessarily in the chamber or the tomb or the back to tank, whatever it is. It could very well be Snoke or it could be a young Palpatine, which I think would be much more interesting. Omega makes friends with one of the hounds that guard the perimeter of the Mount Tantis. She feeds her some snacks, illegally of course, and the hound will help them later on in the end, befriending them. You can kind of see this coming. Omega goes to the cells of the clones and sees them like prisoners in there. It's really a dark environment, like the Empire just does not take good care of the clones at all. They're really expendable, which is the opposite of what Plo Koon told them. She speaks to Crosshair at his cell, and the two have a back and forth about planning an escape. He says that he's tired, and that she should forget about him. We basically see their polarity. Crosshair has lost hope. He's pessimistic, cynical, whereas Omega is super optimistic. She trusts everyone and finds the good in everyone. I would say both aren't ideal. You need someone in the middle, someone maybe like Hunter. Now, I feel like Omega hasn't been tainted and jaded by the realities of the world and bad people over and over again like Crosshair has. So she's much more positive, much more naive, and that's just her nature as well. During the exchange, we notice Crosshair's hands are trembling, so he's no longer got his abilities of a steady hand. This affects his aim and sniper shot, of course. He's a very broken man, and he needs to find his way again. Omega marks the wall, just like Rey did in The Force Awakens. Now, I saw some members in the chat during the live stream of the watch party saying that she is going to fall in love with Palpatine's clone and that they'll have Rey. 
Yeah, it's not a bad theory, but probably unlikely. Not much else happens other than the Groundhog Day events that just keep transpiring. She continues to assist the medics, and Nalase continues to delete her blood draws to avoid the Empire from knowing the truth about Omega, of which she herself doesn't even know. Omega goes over more escape plans with Crosshair, and he gets really annoyed, saying that she needs to just stick to the mission objective, which is to escape, and she needs to do that by leaving him alone, leaving the Hound behind, and just focusing on the one mission, which is to save herself. He says that if he were in her position, he would leave her behind as well, and she just couldn't believe it. Omega is very naive, very good-natured, and very pure-hearted. She says, no way, you're my brother, you wouldn't. And he says that he's not them, meaning he's not his brothers. Still, of course, showing the hatred that he has for them and the fact that he is not like them. He says that he belongs in here. And this to me kind of is like when Vader told Luke, it is too late for me, my son. So it's almost like he kind of accepts that he isn't really the greatest person and maybe belongs in this place. This is like his karma or what he deserves now at this point. Where she turns around and says no one belongs in here. And once again, it shows how kind and humane and pure-hearted she really is. That even after everything Crosshair has done, you know, he doesn't belong here. As seen on her bedroom wall, a lot of time has passed. 125 days already, or more than four months. Hemlock leaves the high-security room and says, If the M count cannot meet or exceed the specimen, meaning Palpatine's, midichlorian count, then all will fail. So this means that they need to find a host that can handle his level of midichlorians and power. I guess kind of like what they were trying to do with Grogu. She cleans the wound of the hound. The hound heals. The droid wants to terminate it anyways. And so Omega takes control, sets the hound free, and destroys the droid. Kind of the same way Obi-Wan destroyed the Magna Guards in Episode 3 by dropping the massive weight on them. Sort of in the same position. And then taking out their heads. Hemlock punishes her by threatening to hurt Crosshair. So she's kind of stuck now. She's given back her stuffed animal that was taken away earlier from Emery, who starts to show signs of care for Omega. And we're starting to see that she's getting a little soft. The episode ends with Omega hearing the hound in the forest, now free. So I thought this episode was super dark. It provided a very clear understanding of how evil the Empire is when it comes to using clones as experiments, all for the Emperor's needs. Omega showed us she's still very hopeful and naive, oftentimes overly trusting. And Crosshair is just broken and not who he used to be, somewhat soft now, so hopefully he regains his image and finds his strength again, which I'm sure Omega will help him do. Hemlock advances his race to find the perfect candidate that responds well to midichlorian-filled blood so that Palpatine can, well, live forever. Alright, on to episode 2. 